0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann.
1: I'm one of the many mats.
0: And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now. And wait, what am I getting into? Digitally Rare. Digitally
1: Rare. I don't know, what are you?
0: Yeah, what <laughs> am I getting into? So, we're very excited because we have a rare
1: two-guest Show here. if this were an NFT collection with metadata, this would be a rare, a rare episode. (laughs) This would be a rare entry. (laughs) Yeah, high rarity score.
0: We have two, I dare I say, music Web3 deep thinker superstars Mm -hmm. here with us today. We have Black Dave. Hi, Black Dave. (laughs) That's Black (laughs) Dave. And Verite as well. Hello. Woohoo. And so, I want to bring these two on because there has been a I, I keep calling it a hullabaloo. I don't know if it, th- I think that's like a pretty good description of what it is. It's kind of it's like it's a thing that has happened in the music NFT landscape that I think like probably no one outside of it is remotely aware of. But for those of us inside of it, it's been it, it like last week, it kind of took over for a minute. And the reason I want to have Black Dave and Verite on is because they were having like. The most cogent and respect, let's say, respectful and like just kind of deep discussion from the two opposing sides of this debate.
1: Oh, wow!
0: Happening in like in the Water and Music Discord mostly, okay, um, which is a really wonderful place to hang out. But I'll just run through the basic overarching thing, and then maybe we can all just start talking about it. The basic overarching thing is there's a bunch of these music aggregating apps that have appeared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One is called Ooh La La. There's Future Tape, which is by the same guy who made Hype Machine, the, the blog back in the day. There's Spinamp. And what all of these aggregators are doing, Matt, as you might imagine, is they're just scraping IPFS, okay, looking for audio. Cool. And ingesting it and putting it all in a package whereby... Uh-huh. You can listen to a Verite song. You can listen to a Black Dave song. You can oh, hear a like SoundCloud song.
1: style, making yes, it a, a music player.
0: But then the thing was, mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. that some musicians sort of unaware, I think, to the extent at which when you put your songs on IPFS, how public they are, discovered that their music was on these aggregators right, and suddenly. felt... And totally. felt a little bit rug pulled, you know, felt a little bit like, wait a minute, I thought this was the opposite of what we were trying to get to where I right. own my they stuff. they couldn't have
1: known. It's... Ah, And so there's this
0: very like tricky thing where I think for me and for Black Dave, Web 3 means this kind of interoperability and this kind of like this layer of things and we... We can monetize because of the NFT side of it. It has this different thing. But for Verite and for many of the other people, this feels like a rehash of Web2. This feels like we're being Ah, taken advantage of as musicians. So Verite, I want to start with you and start with specifically your critique, because the critique that comes back is like, well, they're not making any money, right? But you have a critique specifically about that, which I think is very... Important and and I think a great point that 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 I think you make.
2: I think it's really interesting, also explaining this to a new party, right, that hasn't necessarily been involved in the conversation, and so it really does reframe it a bit. But I think from my perspective, I want to clarify that I'm not actually even against aggregation, right? I was aware that the aggregation was happening, and as I saw it, kind of proliferate, and I saw a few of these platforms come up, my initial reaction was, how are they accounting for the IP rights of the song versus the freely shareable file that is on IPFS, right? And so I think a lot of these conversations are really centered around permissionless file sharing without having a practical grounded conversation in the existing laws, the existing IP protections. And I think that innovating without capturing the full landscape of where we currently are in the music industry, even if we're attempting to disrupt it is a recipe for poor innovation or non-sustainable innovation. And so I think from my perspective where I I've been pretty quiet in terms of a lot of the conversations that have been happening around Web3. Like I've been finishing my record and I've just been kind of watching the landscape. But the reason why I got involved in this is because of the reaction to the critique. And the reaction to the critique was, you should have known what you were doing when you uploaded your file. And from my perspective, I was like, I was aware of what I was doing. I was aware of the IP protections that were in place. I was aware of the full landscape of, of where I was uploading the file and who had the permissions to then share that file to a new audience. And so I feel like those concerns were being dismissed rather than saying, hey, we're aware of these things, we're trying to disrupt. We recognize that there's going to be friction and let's have a holistic conversation about the implications versus, oh, if you don't want your music and IP fully permissionless, don't participate in the system. And I found that to be a bit off-putting from my perspective.
1: Totally. Dave, you
0: want to, you want to, you want to chime in like, because, and I should say Dave, uh, Black Dave, I, I discovered this conversation. I sort of missed the first round of it. You wrote a great, a newsletter for water music and that's where i that's where i first found this
3: so i first of all completely agree with verite i think that it, all of these things are super important the i think the main part that we like disconnect or move in different directions at is is like how soon we should start trying to enforce these things so with my approach i think that if we continue to innovate and get a little bit more rope on the innovation side we can find and create something that might be better than the situation that we're in i also like on the side of like this is just how it is i think that for me i knew that i was sort of playing in an in an open playground especially like a like a playground where like a lot of things that we know aren't quite the same in hopes that we can figure out something new, I do want to eventually as well get to a place where our licenses and our rights and all of that are being recognized. I just worry that if we slow it down too soon, then we might run into, we might end up closer to where we started than we probably could have gotten because we tried to slow down too soon. I'm definitely interested in, I think especially, and this is something that I think is a conclusion that everyone can agree on, um, trying to learn more before we sort of lift the pitchforks. I think a lot of the the conversation was being led by people who don't fully understand the landscape. Verite and I have been in Web three for a couple of years now, and so we've seen a lot of the a lot of the way that the rights conversations have been happening. Whether that's through something like Royal or um, Verite being like one of the OGs of like sharing revenue and things like that so my my battle is more we need more time and i think that everyone's shutting the conversation down too soon and if you shut it down too soon we're just going to end up paying each other in crypto for web 2 law
0: yeah black dave you were very in and out of that but i think we like we you're choppy but i think we got the the idea yeah. Verte, do you want to like respond to, I think the, the main thrust of that was basically like, we're so early, we're so early in this that if we like
1: start putting the brakes on too soon, that. Right. And this feels kind of like a parallels DAOs in that like, yeah, DAOs do a lot of the same things as like the LLC, but part of the, the beauty is that we reset from scratch and then very clearly slowly adopt all of the good ideas from the last 5,000 years but it's the freedom to change those ideas that I think is what makes people really excited about it It is something that came up in my head when I was hearing your, your take.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because from my perspective, again, I'm actually really not opposed to pushing the boundaries and I've been someone who has kind of pushed the boundaries in my own right.
0: I was going to say like, it should be said that, you know, as, as Dave pointed out, like that you, you, this is definitely something that you've been on the forefront of is yeah.
2: But from my perspective, again, the reason why I even got involved was because there was a whole dismissal of the fact that they even existed right the fact that these rights existed and so what it was doing was setting a precedent that when you mint an nft essentially the ip is now public domain right which has never been in any conversation about the rights that are implied when you are minting an nft and so from my perspective it's a really slippery slope to set a precedent in the name of innovation, where artists are implicitly giving rights away. And I feel like we have an opportunity to explicitly give those rights away. So if and when somebody wants to include IP rights in an NFT, we should now be considering that Or and or if aggregators are going to aggregate be clear that you're doing it in opposition of those rights with the idea that you can take it down by request or create an opt-in to help prove your business model. But I think it was, again, the tone of the conversation in the name of innovation that made me really wary. Because again, it's IP rights for an artist is like, a lot of the value that we keep and retain, and that value can be monetized. And I think that I really approach everything that I do in this world of Web3 from a standpoint of really advocating for artists to build their own. And we do that in collaboration with platforms. But a lot of times the artist platform relationship, as it grows and scales, starts to come into opposition.
1: I really like the opt-in model for these sorts of things. It sort of parallels the NFT royalty debate where my argument is if the contract says it wants to monetize its work this way, it should be respected. But I think um, part of that is like the ability for a contract to also opt out of this thing and choose a different monetization mechanism. I guess with artists, it's like holding back supply or something like that. There's a bunch of different ways to own equity in your work. And royalties are just one of them, and so it feels like uh, perhaps a similar parallel here with like rights. And I guess I'm not super familiar with the music industry. I've learned most of what I know from Jonathan via osmosis. But what are the specific qualities or rights or IP things that are relevant here and are being, I guess, ignored by the aggregators?
0: That's a really good. That's a really good point, Verite. Do you want to? You want to take that?
2: Yeah. And I, I'll be transparent. There's a limit to my education on this, but I can explain it from from what I know and have totally. experienced. So essentially every song has two sets of separate rights, right? There's the rights of the recording, and then there's the rights to the underlying intellectual property that exists in that recording. So one is like, it again, the specific master file, and then one is the content, the melody, the lyrics, etc. cetera. And so, when you're uploading a file to anything to Spotify and to IPFS, right, wherever you are, there's actually two sets of royalties that get triggered for each. And so, you get paid separately for the recording rights than you do for the copyright, for the publishing. Gotcha. And okay. so. When you're uploading a file, in my understanding, yes, it is free and permissionless to share. And again, like I believe music should be free. It is free. You can rip my music from any corner of the internet. And like that is totally actually fine with me. But again, it's the idea that when you communicate that IP to a new audience that isn't the original intended audience, it actually legally requires. A license or a set of permissions, and so that is the law as I currently understand it. And what the aggregators are doing is taking it from its original location and transmitting the IP and the file to a new audience. And while you can do that, right? Again, the technology allows for it. It does. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't mean that you can. And again, right. I'm, I, I'm not against, I'm not asking the aggregators to take the music down. Like I'm here for pushing the boundaries, but like, we need to innovate while knowing what we're innovating against in a way and, and having a full and holistic conversation rather than saying, Oh, these rights just don't exist. We can do whatever we want because we can. Cause like I can also create a streaming site and upload a bunch of mp3s to it but can i should i is it ethical and so those are the con I, I feel like i am a bit of a an outlier in this conversation but it's mm-hmm. coming from my history of existing in the traditional music and kind of bridging into this world where i want a sustainable future for artists and i don't want them to give up too much in the name of innovation and then five ten years down the road recognize that the unintended consequences of doing so.
0: JPEG's got you down. Buy a Song a Day today. The floor price is low and the music will change your life. Why just listen to this testimonial?
1: After I bought a Song a Day NFT, I understand why kids love cinnamon toast crunch.
0: Wow! Visit songaday.co/cheap. That's songaday.co/cheap and get your very own sad NFT today. Back to
3: the show. I think what's my favorite and this is a weird favorite thing, but my favorite thing about Verite and I's conversation about this is that we're both trying to protect all of the other artists that come in the future. We both really want to be sure that whatever system comes to be, that artists are protected, that artists are paid. And it's kind of fun to think about for me, I'm one of those people who thinks too much in general. It's kind of fun to think about how, Both of us wanting the same goal while wanting to take completely different paths to that goal is kind of the thing. And I think that's like I and I come from a very different perspective than Verite does. Being someone who is almost as natively Web3 as you can get as a musician, starting my music in earnest at the beginning of 2020 and diving headlong into Web3 at the end of 2020. My understanding of music as it is traditionally is, is low, which I think mm. empowers my mind to create systems that don't exist. But because my understanding of the traditional music industry is low, I don't consider the incumbents and in how they already make money. And the ways that I'm making money through Web3 are fine enough for me. And And I feel like a lot of the the conversations and battles that we have Uh, feel like we're like chasing every penny as opposed to trying to create something bigger. And so I, I'm always trying to avoid that.
0: Just to add really quick on to what Verite was saying about, about the legality of it. What's interesting to me is like legally, like from a, from a strictly legal definition, these aggregators, but even any other marketplace that is transmitting these songs is doing so technically illegally. You can't play a song, you can't have a website where someone can click on a song and play it and it's like for public consumption without specific things being followed, technically.
1: Really? Okay. I didn't realize the rights were, I guess, contextual like that, but that does make sense.
0: What's interesting is that, you know, the laws that undergird all of that were written... I want to say, you know, in like the turn of the last century, you totally. Know, they, they're called like mechanical. Vinyl, yeah. yeah, they're called mechanical rights because it was like I think, and either of you maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like because it was sheet music played by a mecha- by by like a, a mechanical piano, and like that's oh, like wow. the name that we that we assign to a certain kind. So it's like they're very right. old rules, but they do
1: exist, right? I mean, this pattern of, I think, uh, Black Dave, your point about being like born into the Web3 ecosystem and thinking almost solely within that, I think is a really powerful perspective. But of course, time is a, there's this temporal property of reality that, you know, obviously newness doesn't exist in isolation. So I totally see how y'all are both on the same side here and coming at it from different perspectives. This feels like, sort of related to the climate change stuff right now everyone who works in climate change wants the same thing but they all almost kind of vehemently disagree on how to get there and it's uh kind of funny to watch as an outsider being like oh clearly we're all trying to do the same thing but some people are hyped on this hyped on that and think this is not a dead end etc so just like throwing in that perspective in a a different ecosystem you know what's interesting too i think and this
3: kind of for me, leans more into the innovation side. I think it's super, super, super important that like we find ways to make sure that our music is getting played in ways that we want. But on the other side of the battle, I think if we start doing it now, how far does the ball roll? You know, obviously right now we're talking about streaming our music, which is sort of a completely different thing than an NFT marketplace. But it's also not, you know, like, if I were to mint a song, for instance, on sound.xyz, and then it pops up on OpenSea even, I didn't give OpenSea the explicit right to play my music. I didn't give Zora or X2Y2 or Looks Rare or anyone else the explicit right to play my music the same way that I didn't give Spin Amp or Ooh La La or Future Tape the explicit right to play my music. If we start to try to shut things down now i worry that the types of ideas that can be sort of brought to the forefront are are going to be tough to sort of continue to create because not because i just i just worry that it could snowball into well you can't even have your music on other marketplaces and of course we just say opt in and opting in is a is a fine solution and this this actually i think plays into the quote unquote other side we may already be too late for an opt in and now we only have an option to opt out because of the the nature of how this technology runs where it scans the blockchain for certain things there've been like a ton of interesting solution based conversation as well a lot of people are interested in creating sort of like an on-chain license that you can call through whatever you know whatever code and that recognizes whatever licenses that comes with the music NFT. On the other end, people are talking about adding metadata specifically to the NFT itself, saying whether or not it can be played and where it can be played. It's funny because this is another one of those on both sides. It's a slippery slope kind of scenario, but that's definitely a, a further concern of mine is now we may lose that, that marketplace interoperability as well if, if, the, if the ball rolls too far.
1: Totally, it's that unknown unknown of like if you close off this possible future, you'll never know what could have been in terms of like technical innovation or alternative revenue models or whatever it is.
2: But I think we're talking about a wicked problem, which is essentially like a, basically an unsolvable, contradictory problem where you solve one aspect of it and it creates a whole nother version of the same problem. Totally. Climate change is a really similar example of that. But I think for me. I don't want to shut anything down or stop it, right? I, I again, it's like I'm not taking the music off aggregators. I recognize that technically on Open C, it's an exploitation of the IP rights, et cetera, and I'm also not issuing a takedown of that. And so I don't. I think that there can be a balance of all of this. And when I look at it, I really feel like. There are a lot of moving parts and we're dealing with an antiquated right system, but ultimately the implications need to be in the conversation as we innovate. Because what I fear is that every platform is super artist friendly when they need the value of the artist to prove their business model. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and essentially what you have right now are a lot of platforms being built that are utilizing, you have some that are marketplaces, catalog, sound, OpenSea, et cetera. And now you have this additional layer of aggregators, but the sole value of an aggregation platform is the IP and, and the music of the artists they're aggregating. And my fear is that platforms and businesses will be built off of the art that they're aggregating with or without permission. And that value long term, as all of this scales, isn't going to be returned back to the artist, which is essentially what we're dealing with now. It's what happened with SoundCloud. It's what happened with Spotify. And artists never capture the value of the companies that are built off of the art.
0: And man, oh man, this is a point of yours that I really appreciate specifically you know the idea that these aggregators especially because of you because like you're saying the the difference here really is like on the marketplace like side it's a different of a it's also a different monetization like the way that opensea makes money right is off of a a percentage uh and so whatever but like your point verite that these that these uh, these aggregators currently i think most of them i know I know, like, Future Tape got brought under the Zora umbrella. And Zora, like many of these other companies, is VC-funded. And we learned that, you know, ooh-la-la La is VC-funded. So, these companies are getting large sums of money from VCs, as one does. And I think it's a very valid criticism, from a Web3 perspective especially, that... The model is supposed to be that the people who are creating the value capture that value, and the but right now the value is is being solely captured by the people who are making these aggregators through the through getting this VC money. You know we're not seeing a penny of that VC money, and that I think is a that that to me is like a really it really drills down. I think Verite on like your your bottom line point which is like maybe we should be seeing that uh, some of that VC money like that we we're the only we we're literally the only thing creating value on those things and so we should be cut into that equation from the very beginning somehow and i think maybe yeah anyway yeah go ahead
2: no but this is a point where where dave and i actually like we see the same end goal but we diverge in in process because i think a lot of again, stemming from this conversation, a lot of what it's been is, oh, well, we'll develop the roadmap eventually. And I think if you look historically, the roadmap doesn't get developed, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're raising X amount of money, you know, oh, that money, you have to become profitable. I think that that is part of disillusionment that maybe can happen in web three again that like because it's so community focused because everybody is you know working together developers artists etc those lines are blurred without recognizing that at the end of the day companies that raised raised a million dollars have to become profitable at the cost that it becomes to do that. And I think from my perspective, again, I see the unintended consequences of trusting the long-term roadmap of all of this versus I I, I have a feeling that we should be building with intention from the top. If, If your plan is to add value back to artists, like let's figure out a way to bake that into the process from the beginning.
3: Also adding muscle to what Verite's saying, and this, this has been my actual stance on the on the royalty conversation as well, is like when companies, when these like web three companies are getting started, you kind of have to look at who the like who the product is and who the customer is, right? And I think what happens is when these platforms start, the artists are the customer, but quickly we become the product when it's time for the platform to get VC funding. And then once the platform gets VC funding, the artists are still the product, but the new customer is now the collectors and they start moving in that direction. And I think that like this of course is is a concern of mine as well. And, And I would love to see scenarios where those who really like put forth effort towards the building of these different platforms receive equity in these platforms. I know there's like a ton of legal stuff that's in the way of that but i still think that like more effort should be made in that direction a lot of these marketplaces especially in the music nft side they'll raise money and we'll make one two three ethereum on our sales and the next thing you know they've made 15 million and we're like oh wow <laughs> this this platform's made did a 5 10 15 million raise I only made 3 Ethereum, but I also brought 90, 100, 200 collectors to this place. And now they're using it. And if I didn't show up, then it wouldn't be like this. Is 3 Ethereum enough? And so, I completely agree. I I want to see models that factor us into the value of these companies, and I think that there that that's something that I want to fight a lot more for. I would love to see a little bit more time on the innovation front. and I would love to see us as artists as the people who are the the real reason that these platforms exist become owners in these platforms
0: and frankly, frankly, that is part of the promise of web three, right? is that is that is literally yes, that yes, is literally like we can become everybody who is a participant in building value of a platform can become. A co-owner, and that's not what we're seeing. And I also want to just—I want to soften something I said, which is, if you look at Ooh La La and you look at Future Tape and you look at Spin App, these are really cool products, and I love, and I—I I genuinely love them and think they do bring a lot. And they bring each of them have their own kind of way of doing it. I know, Black Dave, you're a particular fan of Ooh La La, La which I actually didn't know about before your newsletter. I hadn't really seen it, and I love it. I love future tape. I've been begging (laughs) funny enough. I've been like bugging and bugging Anthony to put my music on future tape because my songs are videos and not audio. And so it's been a thing, but anyway, so all that being said though, yeah, like where's the, where's the underlying part of this, where there's some functional way for us for, you know, for all of us to become literally co-owners because verite that 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 in and of itself, or even the discussion of that, or even a a nod to that, or something which there hasn't been, would be better, right, than than what we've had, which is like sort of almost like you're saying at first, especially this kind of dismissal.
2: Yeah, I mean, and again, I, I'm a hyper hyper fucking pragmatic person, so I understand that every company is building their own ecosystem to be profitable and beneficial for that company. And usually what I'm encouraging artists to do is to actually view themselves the same way, view themselves as a business and then, set up that business in a way where everything they're doing feeds back to the center. But what we're talking about was like the fundamental introductory promise that I kind of stepped into, into web three. Like we said, the people who add value to the platforms, either artist or audience would have some sort of stake in ownership. And what we've seen is when you add VCs, when you add funding, right, that utopian dream very, very quickly goes away, which is absolutely, you know, it's fine. It's practical. It's the society we live in. I'm not I'm not here to blindly pursue that ideal that idealistic world. But that being said, when then the conversation turns to, well, every NFT you've uploaded you no longer have IP rights to all of a sudden, right? Because again, that also is not the conversation. All the conversation was you've retained the IP, the collector doesn't have the IP, the platform doesn't have the IP. And it shifts so quickly in the favor of companies that are trying to build profitable businesses in my head. and, And not only that, the amount of focus groups, cohorts, people who hit me up to be on their platforms where I say no, because I'm being offered no compensation. It's like, if you want me to advise for your company, we can set up a retainer. If you, it's some sort of equity share, etc. And my issue with the assumption that I now have profiles on all of these platforms, which implicitly shows that I somehow support them from an external perspective feels presumptuous to me. Right. And again, it feels antithetical to what we're trying to build here, which is artist empowerment and creator empowerment. And so I know it's unpopular for me to kind of be pointing these things out, but I just want an alignment of, of values. If, if we're kind of going at it from that perspective, or if it's every man for himself then artists need to recognize that, like, you shouldn't give your uh, thoughts on a platform, your roadmap, your feedback to these companies without compensation, right? And so we need to choose a method and recognizing that maybe the promise of the Web3 culture and community doesn't align with how these businesses are going to be funded. And maybe we need to rethink the idealistic vision of what we all want with the practical realities of where we're going to land.
0: Do we feel like there's these, sort of these two Web3 baseline ideas? One is interoperability. One you know, is this kind of like this digital objects as at the protocol level can all sort of like talk to each other and interact freely. And no one platform, therefore, can get locked in because any platform can come along and build a better experience and all of the sort of back end stuff just exists for things to be built on is one sort of pure idea and then the other idea is that all artists and or even just users of a platform should be able to enjoy the upside of whatever that platform ends up having are these like two things it feels like that's there's a con, that that to me like when I first came across this thing, it was the interoperability part that I first came to it with. It was like this is the whole point of Web three is this interoperability thing. Do we feel like do those ha- are those in conflict? Do they have to be necessarily, or is it just the way that these these platforms happen to be building that it sort of like has sort of set it up that way?
2: I think that some of it to me is that there was this initial idea of, again, ownership in, in, in the platforms that you add value to. And we're seeing that really go away because once it meets the practical realities of funding and building a profitable business, those two don't really commingle, right? And so what it is is, okay, so are we really going, like my question is, are we building a better system? Or are we just building the same system on the blockchain and thinking it's different because it's on the blockchain, right? And if we're not building a better system, I don't want to build it. That's kind of how I feel. And so I think we're just meeting the reality of that shift. Sorry, there's a giant truck outside. <laughs> and recognizing that, oh, okay, this idea of putting everything into interoperability with that's fully permissionless. Maybe it's actually not in benefit of the artists as it scales. And and that's a conversation that we should be having. And should we be dismissing the rights that we have already in terms of like IP rights, et cetera, for a system that we don't even know is a better system at scale? And I think those are the questions that I ask myself again, as I build here.
3: I think also like, I think about this a lot from like the perspective of DeFi. I think we think a lot about like, especially DeFi summer from a couple of years ago, like, and if we think about the the group of airdrops that us as people who've been existing in the NFT realm have been sort of going through, there are opportunities for us to win down the line. The, the opportunities aren't necessarily directly in front of us, and, and the biggest opportunity we have right now is just selling these tokens. I think that as as like a collective, because I do believe that like consensus kind of wins in a decentralized world. If we collectively pressure these companies and platforms to make sure that we are being benefited through these raises and all this stuff, then I think that we have a, a real opportunity to get as close to both sides as we can, because it's not it's not impossible for us to. To get an airdrop after a platform raises one could easily
0: imagine that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because think if even if you think about these aggregators, and if you think especially about the looks rare drop, looks rare was like, if you've used OpenSea, you have tokens coming. And I think in the same manner, it can say, if we've aggregated your music, you have tokens coming. I don't think that's impossible. I do think that we are not creating a culture that enforces that or that tries to push these platforms in that direction. And maybe yeah. that's a solution maybe that plays should. both sides. Exactly. I, and yeah. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about, I think, since the conversation started. And, and especially as I think more and more about these companies raising the money on our backs just to kind of make the collector their primary customer.
0: Yeah, one could imagine an airdrop based on, you know, how many times the song is played or like some, you know, like you there's some base just for just for being on the platform. And then there's like some kind of multiplier. The difference though, with that would be, that would be cool. There's also, you know, like just this idea that the tokens, because of the way that tokens work, they're not securities. And so they can't necessarily be actual ownership. And that's a whole other conversation. Like, like, that does seem like a
1: pain point. Cause it's like the simplest thing to do would be give people who make the product what it is equity in its success. Exactly. Because that's how evaluation is hard. (laughs) Measured. Yeah.
0: I do want to shill my friend's project is called Fairment. These guys actually live right down the street from me in West Hartford in in Connecticut. Weirdly enough, but I'm such a fan of theirs. They actually do have a, a system called Fairment where you everybody on this call will really enjoy this actually. They're like officially securities. So they're tokens, they're like real deal, like legit legal securities. And they're sold on a bonding curve that basically never ends, you know? And so you can, like, invest in any, any company that's on Fairment, like, you can actually invest in at any time, you know, In the earlier invest, it's lower, and the later you invest, it's, it costs more. Got
1: it. So it's not like a specific round, it's a bonding curve. There's
0: no specific round, it's just endless. And man, it would be so cool to incorporate something like that for something like this, where literally... You are getting a token that is a security that does represent ownership stake in the company based on how long you've been on the platform, how long your music has been streaming on that platform or whatever like that. What a cool idea that would be.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point, though, about like having this ownership or some sort of tie in being baked in from the beginning, though, because, yeah, living on a prayer of an airdrop isn't the way to go even if it does, you know, is perhaps more likely to happen in Web3.
0: But as Dave is saying, like this we have this opportunity now to We do. To push this. Verte, what do you yeah, like what do you think about this line of thinking?
2: Well, here's the deal. I really understand the complexity of it. I understand it, the complexity of it from a builder's perspective and from an entrepreneurial perspective. And so I recognize again, that some of these ideals are actually like not practical in reality. And my perspective is always going to be so artists recognizing the practical reality, how can you optimize your business, your world while dealing with the clusterfuck that is going to be all of the platforms that are going to come in and aggregate all of the platforms that you're going to be releasing NFTs on all of the platforms that you're going to use to traditionally stream your music and distill down. But it's it's one of those things where the lack of intention and then the defensiveness when it's brought up, it becomes the issue for me. And in this idea of like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. That doesn't feel like a compelling answer to me when my, when I have a profile and an avatar on your website that I didn't know existed. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And so again, to me, the it inherently feels, I don't want to use the word predatory because it's like, a, it's, it's not the correct word, but it feels Exploitive, like, perhaps yes, that's exactly the correct word. Mm. It feels exploitative and it feels like it lacks a fundamental respect for the art and the IP and the value Mm, that artists mm -hmm. add. And so one solution I floated was the opt-in solution because these businesses are trying to prove their model, which they haven't yet in terms of what value returns back to the artist in exchange for having their music aggregated on a streaming platform for NFTs. And the idea that, oh, well, you can opt in. There's a lot of people who 10 out of 10 would opt in for the discoverability. And then if your business model gains all of this traction, you're going to have people begging to sign up, right? But it's, again, this idea of we're going to use the artist as guinea pigs, extract all of the knowledge of what they like about our platform, what they don't like about our platform, beta testing and all of this, and build better without any direct promised value, and again, it's not. I'm not saying these platforms aren't valuable. They do serve a purpose, but for a very niche and 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 like nascent market, right? That we don't know if this scales. And so again, I'm I'm like, artists shouldn't be just so willing to give away their asset for something that we don't know is going to scale in five years and that we can build just a bit more slowly and a bit more intentionally to make sure that the unintended consequences isn't a worse system than we already have.
3: One of the things that I think a lot about every time Verte says anything is just like how important it, it is to educate everyone around us about what's happening. And then I think allow them to make decisions based on the knowledge I think a lot of this conversation came from people who didn't have a full understanding of everything that was going on and and I think like rightfully so we shouldn't have dismissed it as this is just how the blockchain works but I do think that it's important even understand how the blockchain works I think the a lot of the conversation that may have maddened some of the let's say tech maximalists for lack of a better phrase it was like, you're complaining about a thing that you don't understand. And, and we think that you should understand the thing before you start complaining about it. And not only that, but complaining about it publicly. And so I think what happened was, and partially, for me, I I just feel like it was a big education failure. But it was also an annoyance that the loudest voices didn't understand the basic concepts. Even I think there are a lot of folks who, In the traditional music industry, have seen success and know what success looks like through traditional music. And I've seen them argue with people who are pro Web3 because they believe that music is an impossible success model and you're talking to someone who's successful through it. It's really just, I think everyone needs to understand what's happening. Everyone needs to understand how the technology that they're using works. I think, depending on when you came into this space, I like to say class of 2021, class of 2022, class of 2023 now, I like to say that in 2021, a lot of us entered Web3 for different reasons than a lot of people entered in 2022. And the people who entered in 2022 kind of had a beeline for what they were looking for. But if you had entered in 2021, you probably spent way longer than the people in 2022 did on research. There are people who the Clubhouse era didn't mint their first NFT for six or nine months just to learn enough about it. And I think what happened in 2022 was we were like, okay, cool. So the way to get Ethereum is go here, click this, upload that, and you're good. And I think, all right, I I hope that this is an opportunity for a lot of people to start to look the underlying tech is because I think the underlying tech is also while it can be exploitative like somewhat in this situation i think that you start to realize the amount of opportunities that we can create if you understand the technology
2: can i ask a controversial question potentially my favorite <laughs> again i've been i i am i'm a technically class of 2020 right so it's like i'm obviously here building for a reason right but there's part of me that like I understand obviously the blockchain what minting an nft is but from this perspective of aggregation I actually don't see the difference of scanning ipfs for for a file and uploading it than I do like scanning limewire and uploading an mp3 like I think that from a practical nature it's actually the same action and so that's my that's like kind of the criticism that I'm coming at this with is I actually don't understand how those two things are different.
0: I was thinking about this because it literally is like that. But, but the thing about it is, is it's as if you, as the artist were, you know, for, for I, I use Napster. It is literally as if you, as the artist, put your things on Napster, putting something on IPFS and maybe Matt, you can speak. Yeah. It's
1: like when you, you as an artist want to put something on iTunes and then immediately it shows up perfectly replicated on Napster. And that's a different context, which has a completely different model. And in this specific case doesn't explicitly include the artist, right?
2: Yeah. And, and, and it's, again, that's kind of my curiosity is there's a lot of conversation around, well, yeah, you can do this. And then in my line of thinking i'm just like yeah but is that actually creating a better system or are we just doing the same shit that's been done tested tried and actually failed right and then just recreating it on the blockchain and is is that worth pursuing so again that's where i'm coming from
0: the other though thing to from my perspective too is that there is this idea Let's 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 leave aside all the discussion we had about about like owning the platform. There is this underlying idea that that let's say in the Napster era had songs been able to be digital objects in the way that they are NFTs now, that the freedom for songs to be absolutely free and and just wildly just go wherever they want would possibly work because the value could accrue back to the NFT and thus back to the creator. Like that, that is a layer that we have now that we've never had before. And so there, I think there is an argument
1: that, that this time, the time is a spiral, but this time is different
0: because we have NFTs. We have these digital objects
1: into which can pour
0: all of that energy and money and value from around the internet.
3: But yeah. that also is a bit of a a dream, right? I think yes. tells, yeah. if if we go back <laughs> to the Gary Vee, 99% of NFT projects will fail. Yeah. 99% of music NFTs will also fail. Sure. Yes. And I think that a, a not enough of us are looking at that. There are a lot of people who are frustrated that this isn't working for them because people keep entering Web3 thinking that as a musician, you can make $100,000 a year. It's, and yes. I haven't even made $100,000 in two. And yeah. <laughs> I'm on a podcast right now. So it's like, you know, like, I'm not sure that what we're doing is we're, re, we're putting the hope that everyone can be the 1% in this situation. And, I, and I, I feel that that is definitely dangerous to put forth where we say, oh, well, we you agree. could be successful through the perpetual sales of your NFTs. So it becomes sort of a dangerous uh, thing to propose to everyone.
1: Totally. I do think that Napster saw this digital information the way that, you know, the internet sees it and the way that consumers saw it, which is that it was infinitely reproducible and kind of demands to be free, not in the monetary sense, but in the access sense. And I think Web3 obviously inherits a lot of that perspective. But I think the new new stuff of like, obviously, digital ownership is completely new in this era, enables methods of monetization that are completely and fundamentally divorced from our previous methods of monetization, which were extremely skeuomorphic. We used to buy digital albums and now so few people do that, right? We stream them and streaming is also a digitally native monetization method that was relatively unheard of outside of like radio, for example. But like, I think, and perhaps this is the optimism of the space and perhaps this is related to Black Dave's take is there's probably some model of artist success and monetization that is not as long of a tale, not as one percenty, that is new, that is fundamentally new to the human species that we have yet to come up with that involves digital ownership and perhaps leverages this ability of information to be free. And that is is what I think. Um, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. It's a
0: dream. No, it's a dream. It's a dream.
1: It's a dream. But yeah, that's, that's my, that's my thought on this, like, uncertainty, the, the, the leap of faith that is like, maybe there's a new model out there. And I don't know, I, I come at this as an artist, but not a music artist. So somewhat detached.
2: I mean, it's really clear again, like we're all here building because we recognize that the systems that are in place, right. Are, are not sustainable as they are. But that being said, it's like, I have the unique perspective of, I mean, art, I like I'm a musician who has been essentially making a living off of streaming for the last seven years. Right. And so I have, again, I have this unique perspective of having gone into Spotify A really early advocate back when the music industry was putting blockades up and Taylor Swift was saying that it was ruining the music industry. I embraced that mode of distribution and found a lot of success and built a career off of it. And then have now seen what that process looks like five, six, seven years down the road and how it's not sustainable. And so when I come into these conversations, I'm bringing that perspective Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. recognizing that at scale, right, which eventually, this will hit a critical mass, if this really is technology that is going to revolutionize how we all interface digitally, and recognizing that we actually have to build for 100,000 music NFTs getting released today and right. building a better system for that inevitable scale. And so the decisions that we make today, the precedents that we set today are going to have a direct impact on that future. And so that's why I'm so intentional and in particular with how we speak about it and 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 what I'm pushing for and advocating for because I I see again Spotify I think is a brilliant invention and it solved a problem. It monetized digital music and in, in a way that people could still access it for free and put some money in the pockets of creators. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, it actually did solve that problem.
0: It also and made that- Daniel Eck you know a billionaire.
2: Well, exactly. And the idea <laughs> that we wouldn't be building with more intentionality for something like an aggregator to become a streaming platform, which is exactly how they're built, to directly compensate the artists, feels it feels like...
1: Like Too optimistic. Yeah, it right, feels like totally. you're doing
2: the same shit over again.
1: <laughs> that okay. seems really wise, then. It feels like there's this force of like chaotic innovation, forget the past, and that is like inherent and good. But also, there's the wisdom of the tried and true, the like knowledge of scale that has to like define the boundaries, let's say, or like serve as a, a force that slightly opposes that and such that you end up in a happy a happy spot i've
0: always said like from the very beginning and matt can can literally vouch for this that like music nfts are not like a panacea they never were they never will be they're not a thing that's they're not really a thing that solves very many things but i but to me like they don't solve discovery they don't solve the long tail issue they don't they're not going to make everybody rich but like to me what they do solve is like one very specific thing which is like this idea of of ownership over one a, a single digital object that is a very specific thing and i do feel like it's revolutionary and has potential to be revolutionary where and just a, like another tool in Verite's toolbox to like make a living, make a further living off of your music, you know, as you've as you've done and seen and and experienced. And I do feel like it, it's it's something that can scale and will scale. It won't look, you know, it won't look like everybody automatically making a hundred thousand dollars a year off of NFTs solely, but it could hopefully be another thing in the bucket alongside streaming alongside all these other things and i think it's such an important point that yeah that we do make sure that these companies don't miss don't i don't want to see i don't want to see anthony or like the people who are making Ulala la La become billionaires and the rest of us be left wondering what happened right make sure they (laughs) understand the assignment right And they do. And the thing is, I do believe that they do. And I do believe maybe we just need to remind them that they do.
1: Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another of the tragedies of the real world is nobody thinks they're the villain. Everyone thinks they're doing the best thing possible. And so, yeah, perhaps it is just knowledge and perspective building.
0: I should say maybe I do want to see Anthony become a billionaire because he's just a, a nice guy.
1: But all of us to right, also right. become Right, but not at the expense buried. of not the etc. Exactly. It'd be cool if everyone became somewhat of a billionaire. Well, that's you know, yeah.
0: Although you know, banned billionaires. So, but, but, but overall, <laughs> but, but,
1: <laughs> a lot of a lot of personalities at war in this. <laughs> yeah,
0: we we're we're coming here to to the end. Is there anything else you guys want to add? I think
3: the most important thing is that or to, for everyone to recognize that all of us are trying to look out for our futures. We all just look at our futures differently and all have individual goals. And so I implore anyone listening with a strong opinion to try to think a little bit more outside of themselves when they're, when they're talking about this.
0: Hell yeah. Verite?
2: Yeah. I feel like from my perspective, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use Dave as an example with his the drop he's just done with the Black Dave token, right? This idea of I really want to see a future where artists feel really empowered that their art has value, but also their ideas and their input on businesses that are being built also have value. And I think Dave's doing a really innovative thing with this idea of like, hey, you want to talk to me about my ideas? You want to talk to me about, Dave is like a brilliant, brilliant human, that those ideas and conversations should be compensated. And I think that That is really an example of what I just urge all artists and builders to do. It's like if you're building a platform and in any other line of work, if you're seeking an expert opinion, you're going to pay for consultation or you're going to be giving advisory shares, et cetera. And I think in this world, those lines get blurred. And as we start to really figure out, okay, well, how are we building? What are we building to just keep that in our minds and it's just like there's no i actually have to buy some black dave tokens but there's no way i'm going to ask for dave's advice without having a bunch of tokens in my wallet to kind of prove that i'm supporting him and essentially compensating him for that work
0: this is a perfect segue because the next thing is for black dave to tell us where to find him on the internet and also just to shill the hell out of uh, his new project so black dave take it away i full permission to shill (laughs) to shill
3: I try not to. I try to just, like, if context allows, then sometimes I talk about what I'm doing. So thank you. The simplest way to find me these days, especially in Web3, is at blackdave.xyz. I just launched last week something called BlackDave Dave Token. The tagline is BlackDave Dave Token, your money, my ideas. And the general concept is that I think, like Veritas saying, A lot of people in this space believe that I'm really smart and that I have the capacity to build something really great in Web3. I think this is an opportunity for everyone to put their money where their mouths are. I believe that not only do individuals support and respect me, but organizations, entities, institutions, et cetera, do as well. So I would love to see them, especially buying Black Dave tokens in mass. I am Trying to raise 200, or not trying to. I am going to raise 250 Ethereum across 1 million tokens. So every 400 tokens is 0.1 Ethereum. So I'll be, uh, I'll be on the campaign trail for Black Dave Token for quite a while. But I am super excited to use this as a blueprint for artists to be able to find a way to make the most out of like who and what they are and what unique perspective they bring to the world and to specific industries
0: i am the proud owner of 400 black dave tokens uh black xyz verite where could we find you these days
2: you can find me at verite on all social platforms and like i just finished a record and earlier earlier this year i kind of set out my strategy which is high value digital scarcity, I'm just like, the music is fine art. And so I I haven't been minting very many NFTs. But the ones that I do are are kind of from that perspective, and then a lot of focusing on the fan experience and and bridging this technology to meaningful experiences with fans who are not privy to web three and aren't in this ecosystem. So running a lot of experiments and activations around that, which has been interesting.
0: I love that idea of just experimenting with your existing fan base and f- figure out what works. And Matt, you'll, you should look up Verite's hoodie. There's a, there's like a hoodie with, with, with some cool NFC capabilities Ooh. that, that you, that you would enjoy. You know, I would. <laughs> and uh, okay. yes. So, yeah. So you can find Verite on Twitter at Verite everywhere. Black Dave at, I believe it's just Black Dave. Is that right? at black dave
3: yes at black dave on twitter but it's black dave black dave on instagram just find me on twitter i appreciate the instagram look, but find me on twitter
0: hell yeah you can find matt as always at one of the many mats you can find me at song of Day man thank you both so much for joining us i feel like this was like just exactly what i hoped it would be and it was great
2: thank you for having us
0: yeah of course i mean always happy to talk with you guys and as always we will see you next time thank you so much